All right. What's up, guys? This is another episode of the Lapka and Tally podcast here with your host, Kevin Lapka. Today, we are joined by special guest, James Lyman, my good friend. How we doing, James? Doing good. Feeling good. Excited to talk sports. Hell yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun today. James is very knowledgeable about all things sports. He's got a lot to provide. I'm sure he'll bring some hot opinions, some hot takes to the show today. So we're real excited about that. Again, it's just me, Kevin, and then uh, James with us today. Ryan will not make it today. So, all right, we're going to get after it. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA, NFL, and MLB in that order, actually. But we're going to start with the NBA because there's a lot of news coming out of there, especially today, the few days since the NBA draft lottery, which, as we know, was absolutely insane. The New Orleans Pelicans, out of all teams, ended up with the first overall pick. So that was just, just crazy. And then the Memphis Grizzlies get number two. So it looks like they will be getting John Morant. And then at number three is the New York Knicks who thought they were going to get Zion. You know, this is essentially the Zion sweepstakes is what this lottery was. And, there, you know, there's people in New York getting Zion tattoos, thinking they got them all locked up, and here they are ending up at number three. So a lot of New York Knicks fans not too happy. And then the Lakers get number four. Uh, pretty good for them. They did not expect to be that high. Cleveland gets five. Phoenix gets six. Chicago, very unfortunately, I know we're both Bulls fans. They get the seventh pick, which we're Pretty upset about as Bulls fans. Yeah, really, Atlanta really gets tough. eight. <laughs> yeah, real upset. Uh, Washington gets nine. And then Atlanta gets ten. So they get eight and ten. So uh, pretty good first round. Although they weren't as high as they wanted. They get two picks in the top ten. Minnesota at 11. Charlotte at 12. Miami at 13. And Boston at 14. And then 15 through 30 is just the playoff order, essentially. So uh, that being said, what do you make of this NBA draft lottery? I know there has now actually been speculation that Zion Williamson may go back to college because New Orleans isn't necessarily the destination for a guy like him. Such a high market player, such a, you know, such a branded player going to a very low market team is really not what you want there from Zion. So what did you make of this draft lottery and what do you actually think of that possibility of Zion going back to school? You know, I was, I was watching the lottery on Tuesday. Pretty much off the bat, started off getting crazy with the Lakers sliding into the top four almost immediately. And yeah. You know, my immediate thoughts were that the NBA is starting to pull strings, you know, for these teams to try and get, like, especially the Lakers, trying to yeah. get them back into the forefront with all the things going on in Los Angeles with those protests outside the stadium and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my immediate reaction was shocked, especially since the Suns, Bulls, and the Hawks all fell out of a top-five slot. But, um... You know, there's nothing really you can do about it. You just got to move on, make sure you draft the best player. I do like that New Orleans has a chance to take Zion, but the fact that he hasn't signed an agent yet is concerning a little bit, even though I do believe that he, he will eventually sign an agent and get to New Orleans. Yeah, I'll, it's pretty – I mean, going back to school is risky. I mean, here you are about to go to the NBA. I mean, no matter where you go, you're going to be making a crap ton of money, plus – a $300 million shoe endorsement, which is, which is just insane. And if you go to school for another year, you don't get that yet. But I, again, I, you mentioned earlier about the NBA pulling strings, right? And this is something we're going to talk about, about it being rigged. And there, there, people have thought of this before, but this year it seemed like serious consideration that this might've been rigged. And it, it, there's not really a reason why, but it, it's just the only reason I guess is again, to, not promote tanking. I mean, it's been such a big thing in the NBA, especially now you have super teams in the NBA. So you got the Warriors and you got, uh, you know, the Raptors, whatever other super teams you want, the 76ers, I guess. Um, And if you're a lower level team, 
there's no way ever you're ever going to beat any of those teams in the playoffs. So you basically have to make your formula, let's lose, let's get a first-round pick, and try to create a super team in three years. I mean, that's ultimately, whereas in the NFL or the NHL mm. or the MLB even, there is no such thing. Uh, you know, it's just you, you draft and you try to get up there, but there really is no super teams. There really is not that big of a margin uh, of talent as there is in the NBA. So I I guess I could see, I, I could honestly see it, you know, being fixed, being rigged, but I don't know if that, do you think that's a legit possibility? You know, one of the things that I uh, did a little research about is how, you know how they changed the lottery format this year, lowering the, uh, the, per, the percentage chance for the yeah. one, two and three teams to, they were all even. Yeah. I think since how they did that, and this is the first year that that happened. They had to try and um, create an example of how teams that do not get a good a good percentage, a good chance at the one pick, can slide up into the top five, top ten a lot easier than it has been before. So they kind of had to get that out there and show that that can happen. So I do believe that this draft was a little set up, was a little rigged for that reason, just so they can prove that this new lottery system will create more chaos, will be more exciting. Um can spice things up a little bit because now everyone was saying that whoever gets the one pick is going to try and trade for Anthony Davis. But now the Pelicans have all the leverage (laughs) since they also have the one pick. Exactly. And that's what's interesting. If you want to talk about the Pelicans now, you know, what situation are they in? Are they in, you know, do they trade that pick? Do they, you know, or do they just say, you know what, let's stay here. Let's develop Zion with Anthony Davis and be a good team. But ultimately, I mean, we'll go back to this. I really, you know, there was actually a report that Zion apparently immediately left the draft room once he found out the New Orleans Pelicans had the number one overall pick. Like, apparently he wasn't mm-hmm. pleased. The thought was, he, apparently he wanted to go to New York because, again, high market team, you're in New York. That's exactly where a guy like Zion should be. And then, you know, yeah. New Orleans goes number one. He He's not going to be very happy. I mean, I think, did you see the video? There was a video of him sitting down uh next to rj and john morant when it when uh new orleans was revealed number one you could tell he was kind of like faking being happy oh yeah you know he was definitely faking it there you could you definitely know he's not happy but again for all those reasons do you think he should go back do you have an opinion on that do you think he should or should not go back to school with this situation i think he should try it out in new orleans personally i know it's not exactly ideal for him and he did say that he's never been to new orleans so there also is the fact that he doesn't know anything about it but New Orleans is a great sports town. It is mainly football with LSU and uh, the Saints in that town. But yeah. there's potential for basketball there, and that's a good place for them to be. They will. New Orleans is a place that embraces all players. They embrace DeMarcus Cousins with open arms, even though with all the, all the controversy surrounding him. And I also think it'd be a better place for Zion to possibly shine because if he doesn't come out the gates as good as everyone thought he was, say he was yeah. in New York... He would get all the heat on him, kind of like oh, what yeah. happened with Lon- Lonzo Ball. And that's also limited Lonzo's development, so I think that could have had an effect on Zion. In New Orleans, he'll be able to grow. He's got great mentors with him there, and Anthony Davis and Julius Randle, also two large bodies. Right. And I think the Pelicans should hold on to Anthony Davis because if you look at their at some of the guys on their roster, if you add Zion, they, they look like a pretty good team. They look like a top-five team in the West. You know, you got Randall, you got Anthony Davis. They still have Drew Holiday over there. Yeah. If they get an effective shooting guard, I could see that team definitely having a good – definitely competing in the West for years to come. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, their, their roster is not that bad, and they're competitive in a lot of games this year, even when Anthony Davis sat out the second half of the season because of all the, you know, the trade issues and everything. But, yeah. you know, if you just say, look, Anthony, I know Anthony wanted out of New Orleans. He, he doesn't want to be there. But now you say, all right, look at this roster, decent roster, and we just add Zion Williamson. If you're Anthony Davis, you're saying, why the hell not stay in New Orleans? You know what I mean? You're going to mm-hmm. take uh you know another year there another big contract in new orleans if you once you see that uh the base team that you have there and you get zion williamson so uh very interesting to see what will happen but i I think ultimately uh he should go to new orleans although it's not ideal but um there is that underlying possibility that that he will go back to school and then just one more thing about the lottery the one thing that i find flawed that i was just kind of thinking about actually a few hours ago was the problem about the lottery and why i don't necessarily love it so much is again Cleveland Phoenix Chicago New York all the worst teams in the NBA none of them getting the first overall pick does that promote the bad teams just staying bad and that's what I think might be the issue is again let's say you don't even tank right you just uncontrollably you go 20 and 60 you go 25 and and 55 or 57 you don't have a good year right your Mm -hmm. talent's just not good and then here's the lottery and you end up with the seventh overall pick so then, you know, you got a bad team who's really not getting that much better, whereas in the NFL or any other draft, you get the first overall pick and you have a legit chance to make yourself better. And do you think that's a problem about these bad teams who are, you know, hoping to get top five picks and then all of a sudden they're really bad and they don't even get a top five pick? Do you think that's bad for, uh, you know, the talent margin in the NBA or for bad teams just staying bad? You know, I could definitely see that becoming a problem, especially if the large market teams are the ones that are consistently being bad and then they're falling into the middle of the lottery and they won't be able to improve. Yeah. Which is really important for those teams to be good in the NBA with all the marketability and, you know, those are just large markets. You want fans going, you want fans appreciating the, exactly. the organization. And now all these big organizations are getting a lot of heat. I know the Bulls have been getting a lot of heat. Personally, as a Bulls fan, I go through. Twitter and Facebook, and all it is is hate messages to the Bulls and their and their front office. You know, Cleveland, who's been in the finals for the last four years, now they're in the down there on the bottom of the East, towards yeah. the bottom, and that's a problem for the NBA. And if this lottery, this new lottery, could um, keep that issue continuing with these really bad teams, large markets getting bad draft picks, and they're going to stay bad. So yeah, I could definitely see where you're coming from with that point. Yeah, I, I definitely think it could possibly be a problem. And then, you know, going back to those big market teams, like if you if, if you are one who believes it is rigged, you can 100% make the case that they decide to put Los Angeles to the number four so LeBron can be good again, so they can be relevant. Because ultimately, that's what the NBA wants. Uh, you got the face of the exactly. league and LeBron sitting out for the whole playoffs, not being a factor at all. I mean, throughout the year, he wasn't really, you know, much of a factor with the injury and everything. You don't want that for the Lakers, a historic franchise, a storied franchise. So if you are one that believes that it was rigged, it it is not out of the question uh, that they possibly would have put the Lakers at number four uh, for that reason. So, yeah, that's a good point. But, yeah, so that's a lottery craziness. But uh, the draft, I believe, is June 20th. So uh, a little bit of time before that. So we'll see what happens. But now the other news in the NBA is the conference finals are actually occurring right now. You got the Warriors versus the Trailblazers and the Bucks versus the Raptors. So both have played games. Uh, they're, they're game one in the series. Warriors won the first one in that series. And the Bucks actually just won last night against the Raptors. So who do you have? Uh, I guess we'll start in the Western Conference. Who do you have in this Warriors-Trailblazers series going forward? 
you know, my whole heart is always – I'm always rooting for the Trailblazers. I love a good underdog team. Not a lot of superstars on that team, but they always seem to be competing in the West. But yeah. as much as I'd love to see them come out the West, I'm going to have to say that the Warriors are probably going to take that series. Just over, They're just going to overpower the Trailblazers. Not much of a equal – equal um rosters in that western conference finals i do think the trailblazers can make it interesting taking one or two games maybe bringing it to game six or game seven uh-huh. but i i will have to go with the warriors on that one even though i hate the warriors <laughs> but it's just it's just how it's it's gonna be turning out sadly, yeah, for the trailblazers. That, yeah that's exactly how i see it you know I, i'm not necessarily a hater against the warriors but I, I would like to see an underdog obviously make it but i just i honestly think it's gonna be a sweep i mean the way that game one went i don't know what the final score was but it was uh it was a pretty wide margin of victory um and oh, you know yeah. the, the trailblazers might steal a game at home you know but for that to happen, Damian Lillard's going to have to score 40 points. CJ McCollum's going to have to good game, have to have a good game. Uh, ultimately, if Steph plays good the whole series, it's going to be a sweep. And we know KD is out, but for this again, for this, I, I think once the Warriors got past the Rockets, that was their ticket to the finals. Uh, obviously, I think they were the toughest team um, for them matchup wise. So. I think ultimately the impact of KD is is not that much. You know, he doesn't need to hurry back for this series. Is, is what I'm trying to say. I guess. Oh, do you yeah. agree with that, or do you think uh, they should try to get him back at least before the third or fourth game of the series? I definitely agree that they can beat the Trailblazers without Kevin Durant, and I think they should probably focus on getting him healthy for the finals, especially if they're going to have to be. Well, either way, they're going to have to be matching up with the top level small forward on the East side. So. Yeah. I think they should definitely get Kevin Durant some rest during this series. And um, I think they'll be able to beat the Trailblazers without him for sure. Yeah, so we're both agreeing here that the Warriors are going to pretty much cruise by the Trailblazers. So I guess we'll throw it to the Eastern Conference, where I think we'll uh, we'll agree that it'll be a little bit more competitive. Although the Bucks took Game 1, it was a game where Robin Lopez scored 29 points, his oh. highest point total in the Brooke playoffs Lopez? of his career. Or yeah, Brooke, Ro- Brooke Lopez, sorry. Um, he actually went off. Hell of a game for him. Um, but I still think this series is going to be competitive. The reason why the Raptors lost ultimately was because I believe Kawhi had zero or two points or something. Uh, I don't know exactly. He had either zero or two points in the fourth quarter of last night's game after scoring like 29 mm-hmm. through uh, quarters one through three. So if you're the Bucks, don't expect that to happen every game. It's just, you know, he had, Kawhi had an off night in the fourth quarter, and that's ultimately uh, why the Bucks won. And Brick Lopez had a good night. So, um, but that being said, who do you have in this series going forward? We know that the Raptors are really talented, and I think we everyone takes them a little bit more seriously now that they have Kawhi rather than Demar Derozan. Um, you know, he's a legit guy that can bring you to the finals. So, who's going to win this? Giannis, Kawhi, who you got going to the finals from the Eastern Conference? I definitely have this series going seven games. I think Giannis versus Kawhi is one of the best matchups of star power and overall two-way talent we've seen in a while here in the playoffs. It's definitely mm-hmm. fun to watch. But I'm going to have to go with the Bucks. They're not going to get the same output from Brooke Lopez every game. But they're also going to – I mean, Giannis could go off for 45 points any day he wants. He's pretty much an unstoppable force, even though Kawhi's on his guard in him. Yeah. Yesterday, Giannis shut down Kawhi Leonard pretty much the whole game. He didn't shoot that well, even though he had 20, 29 or 31 or whatever he had. Giannis yeah. just was overpowering him, his length, his his size. I, Giannis, to me, is, is becoming the best player in the NBA, and 
the future of the NBA. And I think that the Bucks are going to take Game 7. And I think the Bucks could give the Warriors a good ride in the finals. I think this is going to really? be the start of Giannis Anthony Cupo. Um, it's Giannis's time in the NBA. It's his league now, and I think it's going to start now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like the Bucks in a lot of areas, and actually one of the sleeper players on the Bucks who I think is going to be a key for them in playoffs is Nikola Mirotic, uh, simply because yeah. I know him from Chicago, and he was always a sneaky guy where you need a clutch three late in the game. He'll never hit the game-winning three. He'll never hit, uh, you know, a three in the last two minutes, but this guy consistently will keep teams in games with his threes, and he was actually in the starting lineup a few times uh, during uh, last series against the 76ers. I don't know, was, is he in the starting lineup uh, for this series, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, he might be, but um, he's a guy that that's an impact player. But yeah, the Bucks are a really good team, man. But I think I think uh, Raptors are going to win both games at home. Um, so I think ultimately the Bucks are going to win tomorrow. Or I don't know if they play tomorrow. Maybe I think they play either tomorrow or in two days. I think they're going to go up 2-0 and then the Raptors come back 2-2. And ultimately, I think it will go to Game Seven. Uh, so that'll be a thrilling series, a little bit less lopsided than I think what we're going to see in the Western Conference. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be really exciting, um, especially you know if the Bucks made it to the finals. That that'd be that'd be pretty crazy, uh, honestly. That'd because, be cool. You know, that, I think that'd be pretty cool. Whereas you know we've seen Kawhi in the finals and we've seen Danny Green in the finals before. Uh, you know, uh-huh. kind of familiar faces. But the Bucks, I mean, how I don't think I don't know if anyone on the roster has been to the finals before. I, I wouldn't really know. You know, who's on their think, bench. Or yeah. Whatever, but but other starters. On the team technically, but he's yeah, been injured. Sure. He's played yeah. two games with them. So, yeah, they don't really have any championship experience, but that's got to start somewhere, you know. And Exactly. Even if they make it to the finals, give the Warriors a good battle, lose the finals, it'll still be a win for the Bucks going forward in the future because that roster is – they got great chemistry. I believe that all the roster is going to stick together. They yeah. still have what I think is the MVP of the NBA on their team in Giannis. And the Warriors, you know, who knows, they might be disbanding after this season. Right. It's possible that Clay Thompson doesn't return either over there. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and the the thing is now, like, the Bucs, like, even if – now if they don't make the finals, if they do, people are going to start to want to playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, whereas the past 10 years, that's like no one wants to go to Milwaukee to play for the Bucs. Absolutely not. So uh, it's good for them as a franchise and good for the NBA that a team like that – uh, you know, a lower level team for pretty much the past 10 years is now uh, coming up to the finals. So we'll see how those series plays out. That's it for the NBA. We're going to move on now to the NFL. There's not really a lot to talk about here. The post-draft time period uh, is pretty low on relevancy when, when speaking of the NFL. There's a, a few things that come out here and there, but we're going to uh, ask a few questions and go over a few things. So I'll start with asking this question, James. Who do you think will be the best QB Year one from the 2019 rookie class. So we got Daniel Jones, uh, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins. You can even talk about Drew Locke uh, or one of those guys. So of those quarterbacks, of anyone, who do you think will have the most success year one of these rookie QBs? You know, I think Dwayne Haskins has the most motivation. And he's got a solid team over there in Washington. They have a good coach. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to excel this year and be the best quarterback out of that draft for this year, at least. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's who I was going to go with as well. Uh, you know, again, the Redskins, they're an all right, they're an average team, I'd say, but, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think just outright Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the draft. And, you know, that's my opinion. Not, not simply because I go to Ohio state and I watched him 11 times this year, but just because, You know, 
I mean, I'm not going to get into it again, but I don't know why the Giants took Daniel Jones. I think Dwayne uh, Haskins mm-hmm. can throw the ball the best. It's the best football mind of all these quarterbacks taken. And I think Kyler Murray, uh, you know, he's obviously going to start game one and he's going to get all of the talk. But um, I don't think he's necessarily ready yet. And I don't know, again, we really just don't know what he's going to do in the NFL yet. We really have no clue. So uh, I, I think the safest pick for that is Dwayne Haskins. But I think Drew Locke uh, is a guy that you might want to mention, too, because over there in Denver, you actually have an OK roster, not really on the offensive side of the ball. You got Philip Lindsay and uh-huh. Emmanuel Sanders coming back from injury. But the defensive side of the ball, new head coach Vic Fangio, who, as we know, is uh, a very good coach, at least on the defensive side, from what we knew from Chicago and from when he, mm-hmm. when he was in San Francisco at well as well. But um, I think if you throw Drew Lock in there, I think he's a guy who's got a little bit of mental toughness. I think he uh, could have a little bit of success in Denver. But uh, what do you think about this Daniel Jones kid? Do you think he'll he'll have any type of success, any chance to prove the haters wrong there in New York? <clears throat> you know, I don't know much about Daniel Jones. I can't say I watched any Duke football games this year. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But from the footage of what I've seen on, like, on draft nines, a lot of the videos I've been seeing about him on ESPN – he definitely doesn't look polished, but he has a good body, has good size, good arm. I could definitely see him developing. I don't know if if the Giants are exactly going to be able to reach his full potential, and I don't know. I'm I know Eli Manning is a good guy. I'm sure he will help with the mentoring, but over there in New York on the Giants, I just don't really I don't really get what's going on, and I don't think Daniel Jones will will be a consistent starter for a couple of years since they seem really high on Eli still, even though he hasn't shown much success. Yeah. But I think down the line, I, I do see them developing into at least an average starting quarterback in the NFL. And if the Giants can give him a solid roster around him, I can definitely see them competing with Daniel Jones in the future. Well, here's the problem. is like If you're the Giants, you probably had the plan all year of drafting quarterback in this draft. So why the yeah. hell do you trade away Odell? You know, if you have, I mean, if you have Odell there, you have a safety blanket for your new rookie quarterback to say, here, you know what? I'm just going to throw the ball up to Odell if I need to. And you actually mm-hmm. give him guys around him. Now you have Sterling Shepard. And that's about it. You know, Saquon Barkley, but he's, you know, just a receiver out of the backfield. But who else do you have? I mean, you're not really helping out a guy who we think needs to develop a lot and needs good pieces around him to <laughs> succeed. Uh so I don't, you know, they're a mess over there in New York. I don't know what they're doing. And actually, in the other side of New York, the Jets, they just fired their GM, um, surprisingly, on May 15th. I mean, it's very rare that you see a GM get fired that late. Um, so, so that's pretty pretty interesting over there in New York. But I think the Jets ultimately will be a better team in New York. Um, I think they're actually be pretty good this year. But, yeah, so uh, we're both uh, agreeing here that Dwayne Haskins, we think, will be the best QB year one over there in Washington of this 2019 rookie class. All right. So uh, next question we have here is, who is the best team in the NFC? And since we're Bears fans, I think it's pretty reasonable to bring up the question, could the Bears be in conversation for the best team in the NFC? Now, without any bias here, who do you think uh, is the best team in the NFC? Is it the, the Bears, the Saints, the Rams, the Eagles? Who is it? You know, the NFC is all pretty much, it's all a lot of equality at the top of the, at the, top of the conference. Um, yeah. I think from what we've seen with the Rams, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up this consistent excellence. Um, we saw their performance in the Super Bowl. It was very poor. Um, 
I do not like uh, what's their quarterback's name again? I'm Jared blanking Goff. right now. Yeah, I do not. I think Goff is um about as average as a quarterback can be in the NFL. I don't really see him. People were talking about him being an MVP candidate. I don't see that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, you, you go over to New Orleans and the Saints. I feel like they're very inconsistent of a team. It feels like every other year they're at the bottom of their division, and then the next year they're at the top. So we could that could go either way for me. And then Philadelphia is definitely an interesting team. They obviously struggled last year. But, you know, we have yet to see um, their quarterback. Yeah. I like that on his name too now. Carson Wentz. He's never – Carson Wentz, he's never, never been in a playoff game. They've only had playoff success with um, Nick Foles, mm-hmm. so that's that's a big question mark. And I, I could definitely see the Bears being able to jump up there and be the top team in the NFC with how everything's going over there. Now that is what I like to hear. That is what I like to hear. Um, and yeah, you just brought up Carson Wentz. I just want to bring that up real quickly. There was actually some news today that you know Doug Peterson, head coach of the Eagles, would not comment on how Carson Wentz's back was. And I think that's interesting because uh, a back injury, of all injuries in sports, especially in the NFL when you're a quarterback throwing the ball, you know, 50 times a game, it's not good as far as, like, future outlook. We know what how Tony Romo's career ended with a back injury, and that's not to say Carson Wentz isn't ever going to be good again, but the back injury is definitely certainly a problem, rather if it was any other injury. So I think that's something to take note of, the fact that he also hasn't been to the playoffs at all either. Um, but, okay, best team in the NFC. You can call me – I know people are going to call bias for this because, obviously, I'm a huge Bears fan, and you can do that what you want, but I have the reasoning for it. The Bears are the best team in the NFC. Um, you can be worried about their offense, and that's fine. And it, sure, it, it is a little worrisome, but you're going to be in the second year of the Matt Nagy offense, third year of Mitchell mm-hmm. Trubisky's career, which I think is going to be even better. You go out, you draft David Montgomery, who a lot of people are talking about could be the rookie of the year. Um, there's people who say it's to be either him or Josh Jacobs as far as best running back 2019 uh, from the rookie class. Uh, and, and again, you have Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. That's a hell of a backfield. Uh, I, I think it's an upgrade from last year. Um, and then you got Allen Robinson, who's going to be in the second year of the offense. Anthony Miller, who's not going to be playing on a broken shoulder. And then obviously we know the defense is the best in the NFL. So I think you could easily make the case as the Bears being the best team in the NFC, but people are afraid to say it because they don't know what mm-hmm. this offense is capable of yet. From what we saw in 2018, you probably wouldn't say that they're the best team in the NFC because their offense wasn't as good last year. But I think from what you can expect, from what we did this offseason – from what the second year of the offense is going to look like, it's not crazy to say the Bears could be the best team in the NFC. And the Rams, as we know, Jared Goff average. Uh, it seems like people kind of might be figuring them out on offense. And and the Saints, they lost a few guys in the offseason. And Drew Brees is getting older. I think you could definitely put the Bears up there as the best team in the NFC. So um, we'll see how that plays out again. There's not really a lot going on in the NFL right now. The post-draft period is pretty dry until training camp heats up. I just saw that Patrick Peterson, uh, all-pro cornerback of the Cardinals, was suspended for six games for violating PEDs, which is just like, all right, whatever. Um, doesn't really matter. The Cardinals aren't going to be good anyway. And so, mm-hmm. oh, well, for him. And the Seahawks, uh, Earl Tom- or not Earl Thomas, Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor are both going to retire. So that's actually pretty, pretty interesting out there in Seattle. But we're going to move on now to the MLB. Um, a lot of interesting things going on in the MLB. Uh, as far as, you know, some of these teams fluctuating, uh, who are the good teams, who are the bad teams. So I'll ask you, 
Who do you have as your top five teams right now? You can put them in a particular order, but if you would like to not put them in a, any particular order, go ahead as well. But who are your top five teams in the MLB as of right now? You know, the MLB has been, um, I think, really exciting this year with everything going on. There's a bunch of new teams arising. From what I've seen this year, I'd have to put the Astros as the best team in the, in the MLB to this point. Yeah. They've just been dominating. They have a great offense. They have multiple MVP candidates on that team. They have a great pitching staff. Um, uh, the Twins. The Twins have come out of nowhere and are dominating, have one of the yeah. best records in the MLB. I think they've done really well over there in Minnesota, and they're looking very good. Um, yep. You know, I, I hate to say it. I'm a say big it. White Sox fan, and I hate to say it, but the Cubs are looking pretty good. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know if their starting rotation is going to be able to keep up this this domination that they've been doing, but they're definitely a team to watch over there in the NL. The Phillies have been really good, and the Dodgers have been really good. I think it is an, it's an exciting year this year for the MLB. Yeah. With a bunch I, of new teams possibly being in the playoffs. Yeah, especially early on when the Cubs were – terrible and when the Red Sox were terrible it was it was looking really interesting because then you had teams like the Cardinals up there and uh you know the Indians were up there and stuff and the Braves but uh things have evened out a little bit but yeah you got the Rays up there I think now too but um I think a team that you actually didn't mention which is actually kind of scary is the New York Yankees here they are at 24 and 16 and you know they've been really good in their in their most recent games and they have I think 17 guys uh on the injured list um, including Aaron Judge, including John Carlos Stanton. So the fact that they're doing this well with that many guys on the injured list kind of scares me because that shows just how good their depth on that roster is. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, you're that good with that many injuries. You know, it's very rare that a team will be that good when you've got seven guys or your starting lineup who are out for injury. So pretty impressive from the Yankees. Uh, again, I think the Cubs uh, are up there, but their bullpen is still concerning. Uh, but that has yeah. been better in their past. 20 games but you know they blew it last night against the Reds and that's something that uh would need to be fixed but the Rays I think are another team that I mentioned earlier who are uh who are coming up there as well so yeah pretty interesting uh year in the MLB so far the Dodgers though they're I didn't even mention them they're I would say outright the number one overall team right now maybe maybe not outright but they're definitely up mm -hmm. there with the Astros uh you know they're they're a heavy hitting team right now just Cody Turner, Bellinger Cody, Cody Bellinger, Bellinger yeah worldly this year I through his first like ten games or fifteen, he was like number one in every category that you. Could I know. So, um, if he continues that kind of success, I mean, he he's been pretty inconsistent for most of his time in LA. I feel like, but if he can, you know, can continue the success, and I mean, baseball is a sport where consistency is probably the hardest thing to do. But, oh yeah. Um, but if he can continue, at least you know, doing all these things that he's doing in LA, along with what what else they're doing with Justin Turner and Corey Seager and all those guys over there. Uh, you know, maybe this will be the year that they actually win the World Series, but I'm not really sure. So uh, do you have any other sleeper teams? Now, this doesn't have to be teams that are even above 500. They can be teams that are below 500, but still could possibly make the playoffs. Any of those teams that you can think of who are, you know, kind of sitting there at uh, average record, a little below, a little above, but uh, teams that mm. can make some noise uh, a little later in the season? You know, the first team that comes to mind is the New York Mets. Their pitching okay. staff is really good. Their offense has the potential to be solid. I wouldn't say they they have a good offense. Their offense is usually not that good, but they definitely have a, a lot of good bats over there, and I definitely see them having the potential to go on a run. 
Um, you know, another team, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Sox fan, but there's a bright future on the on the south side of Chicago, and the Sox have been hanging around about three games, two games under 500 all season with probably the worst pitching staff in the MLB right now. Yeah. And once they get a couple more pitchers healthy over there in Chicago, I could definitely see them being able to at least crack the 500 record, maybe get into the wild card conversation because the wild card in the AL, I mean, Boston has the second slot in the wild card right now. They're only three games over 500, so you never know what's going to go on with the wild card, and I love how there's two teams there now. Yeah, you uh, mentioned the White Sox. Obviously, uh, you're, James is a White Sox fan, so it's been misery for pretty much the last five, six, seven years for James yeah. over here. But uh, obviously, everyone pretty much is aware of their future and the prospects that they have, and it's it, you know it's starting to show a little bit that um, this could be a team that could be successful, not necessarily this year, but definitely in the future, but maybe this year as well. I think ultimately, you guys are going to fire Rick Renteria at the end of the year, and uh, you know get a guy who's ultimately going to bring you guys to the world series i think you know rick ran three is kind of just like a filler guy for now um but you know the white Sox surprisingly yeah they're at 18 and 21 uh you know i don't know what play if the play if the season ended today i don't know what the wild card team in the al would be but certainly being at that spot 18 21 is not bad for this team at all uh you know mm. from what people were expecting uh and you know they got a lot of veterans who are, are doing really well over there uh in the south side so hopefully they can make some noise uh in the future yeah you know you brought up rick renteria and i for for even the last two years i've been saying that he is definitely not the coach that can bring a team to the world series we saw what he did for the cubs in that one season he was there for that bridge year yeah. kind of brought year, them over yeah. the hump and then they fired him and brought in an actual legit manager who ha- who can bring a team to the World Series. Mm-hmm. The thing with the White Sox is that there was news this offseason that they signed him to like a secret three-year extension. What? So I think the team really has a lot of faith in him. And, you know, I'm starting to get some faith in him also. I think he's a good coach for how that organization is run since they have a lot of um majority of their, of their MLB roster um, speak Spanish. They're from... Uh, Spanish Spanish speaking yeah. countries and I yeah. think that Rick Renteria does a fine job in connecting with them and you know the you mentioned the veterans also Jose Abreu has been a staple on the south side of Chicago for the last five years and he's continuing to do that and I know there's a lot of trade rumors surrounding his name since he's he's touching 30 now and he's right. probably one of the top three first basements in the AL and I think the White Sox best move is to hold on to Jose Abreu because you definitely need that veteran re- leadership coming forward. And I think he's a great mentor to guys like Yon Moncada and Eloy Jimenez. Oh, yeah. And also, what Tim Anderson is doing on the south side, mm-hmm. I think it's great. I know he's getting a lot of heat for that those bad flips he's been doing. Which I think is and stupid, like, but... Yeah, some of the comments he's been making about... He commented how he's going to be the, new, the next Jackie Robinson in the MLB. <laughs> and I think... Um, I think what he's doing is bringing some awareness to the South Side, bringing a new energy, bringing new vibes. He's hitting really well. He won the AL Player of the Month last month. And I think the offense is starting to turn around. And, you know, we've been struggling with the pitching staff. There's been a lot of injuries. Carlos Rodon recently went down with Tommy John. Obviously, we have Michael Kopech recovering. Yeah. And two guys, two younger prospects that have been in the rotation for the last couple of years are starting to show signs of development and getting better. Lucas Giolito this year has been great. He's 4-1 with a 3-5 ERA mm-hmm. after a lot of people were writing him off. Hope, oh, yeah. Even oh, yeah. Some, some fans were saying they should just release him. 
Really? And you got Renato Lopez is also starting to come around. He had that he had that 10 strikeouts in five or six innings the other day, and I think it's looking bright, and I definitely like what's going on down there. But there's also a lot of other solid ball clubs in the MLB. They're starting to, they're rebuilds that start around the same time as the White Sox are starting the show. You have the Padres, mm-hmm. who are one game by 500. Obviously, they won the Manny Machado sweepstakes, which is a huge player for them to add. Yeah, but they're looking great. They have a great young pitcher who seemingly came out of nowhere, and Chris Paddock. Yeah, that guy is dominating the MLB right now, and I think they're looking like a good team. Their rebuild is coming together. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati's rebuilds are starting to show a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think I like how the Phillies and Braves are back at the top. Their rebuilds work for them. I enjoy seeing rebuilds work for teams. You know, it just shows how. Oh yeah. How that's how it works. You know, we saw prime examples for the Houston. For the Astros and the Cubs, their rebuilds worked to perfection pretty much. They both got a championship. And I like yep. how these teams are starting to come back and rise to the top after being in the at the bottom of the divisions for the last seven years. Yeah, I always love to see that, and hopefully that's what you'll be getting from the White Sox in a few years. You could only hope. So, um, yeah, so uh, some cool things going on there in the MLB. And about Tim Anderson, I just I just want to bring that up because there was that that video that he released of those guys on, I don't know if it was MLB Tonight or, like, ESPN, and they're they're all upset about him throwing the bat. And, oh, I don't, I don't want my kid to throw a bat. And if he throws mm-hmm. a bat, I'm taking him to the car. Look, y- you know, all you people here in all these media stations want to talk about baseball being more fun and everything. And, you know, bringing a new energy, bring, bring a fun energy, selling tickets and everything, getting people to come to the ballpark, getting people to tune into the game. That's exactly what Tim Anderson is trying to do. And that's not, maybe that's not his intention, but that is what he's doing. If yes. I, if I'm just if I'm like a average White Sox fan, right, and I'm just kind of a fan of the team, not a super fan, not whatever, I'm gonna start going to games because here's Tim Anderson, the AL Player of the Month, doing fun things, bringing some energy to the South Side of Chicago, where there really hasn't been a lot of energy in the past seven years. So I love what he's doing over there, uh, just as a player there. And Tim Anderson, I, I love the energy that he's bringing. I have no problem with the bat flips because I mean, no one seems to care when Bryce Harper bat flips, right? No one seems to care when Machado or any of those guys bat flip. But now that Tim Anderson's bat flipping, people seem to give a crap. I, I don't, I don't really get it, but um, I, I like what he's doing. I just want to bring it up because he's that kind of went viral on Twitter a few weeks ago. That that video that he sent out, and there was people talking about it. So uh, I actually do like that. You know that he did that, kind of exposed those guys a little bit, and said, "This is how I'm going to play the game. I'm going to have fun, and this is the way it's going to be." So uh, I think that I think that's pretty dope. So. Oh yeah, it's definitely nice. Good to see. For yeah, sure. super cool, super cool. So that just about wraps it up for us here at the Lapkin and Sally podcast with special guest James Lyman. It was a ton of fun, James. Glad to have you on. You brought some good insights, some uh, some good opinions. It was really fun having you on. Thanks, Kevin. I really enjoyed it. I hope you have me back soon. It was great talking sports with you. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, hell of a time. Take care, you guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. This is Lapkin and Sally podcast. Kevin Lapkin signing off. Have a good week, guys.